A good morning, everyone. We're going to continue our walk on the dark side of Route 66 with a story from California. Road trips, theme songs for road trips, inspiration for road trips. That was uh, our theme song was from Joe and Woody and the boys of the road crew, roadcrew66.com. If you need a theme song or inspiration for your adventure. Hey, uh, this morning's story in our series on uh, murder and mayhem on Route 66. Uh, I kind of knew a little bit about Donnell Cooley, Spade Cooley. Uh, and I was kind of, I wasn't sure about including this story in my book, Murder and Mayhem on the Main Street of America. Tales from Bloody 66. It uh, has a Route 66 association, but it's tenuous. And uh, I finally decided to include it because he, he did have a Route 66 connection. And even though the Santa Monica Pier is not officially or technically on Route 66, it has been the traditional terminus for quite some time and Spade Cooley had quite a connection with Santa Monica Pier. Let me explain. In the book, I put it this way. After 1937, Route 66 was extended from the heart of Atlanta, Los Angeles to the intersection of Olympic Boulevard and Lincoln Boulevard in Santa Monica, a few blocks east of Santa Monica Pier. With the extension, the highway followed legendary Sunset Boulevard connected with Santa Monica Boulevard and went west through Hollywood and Beverly Hills. Uh, it's fitting that I ended the book, Bloody 66, just as with the pier, with a murder that did not really occur on the highway, but had a direct connection with the pier. Born on December 17, 1910, Danelle Clyde Cooley spent most of his childhood living in abject poverty first in native Oklahoma and later in Oregon at the Chimwa Indian School. Uh, Cooley was half Cherokee. His father was a hardworking man with a gift for playing the fiddle and his son had a similar talent. By age eight, Cooley was playing alongside his father at area square dances. In 1930, he moved to Los Angeles in the hope of profitably putting his talents to work. Along the way, he picked up the name Spade from his three straight flush hands, all in spades, in a poker game. He soon served as a stand-in for Roy Rogers and later appeared in more than 40 motion pictures. He was also a singer with the original Riders of the Purple Sage. In 1942, Spade Cooley was on the cusp of stardom. As the leader of the Jimmy Wakeley Band at the Venice Pier Ballroom, he packed the house almost every weekend during an 18-month engagement. He proclaimed himself the king of Western Swing, a musical genre made popular by Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. But Cooley had a weak link in his rise to fame in Fornship. He had a violent temper and a penchant for drinking hard. Even though he was a profitable headliner for the ballroom, Cooley was fired after a heated argument with Burt Phillips, the establishment's promoter. In that same year, he met Ella Mae Evans, 
Though he was still married at the time and Cooley's manager said she couldn't sing, Cooley hired her. Their relationship became quite a scandal as Evans was 23 when they married in November 1945, the year that Cooley hit the big time with Shame on You and a series of chart toppers. The marriage launched with a rocky start. Less than a year after the nuptials, Ella May found her husband in the arms of a woman in their home. There was a public threatened separation, an equally public reconciliation, and persistent rumors that Cooley had beaten Ella May on numerous occasions. In 1946, Cooley became a father, and with the birth of Melody, Ella May abandoned her aspirations to become a singer. This was also the year that Cooley signed his recording contract with RCA. By the mid-1940s, Cooley and his band were the headliners at the Santa Monica Pier Ballroom. It was here that he launched the Heffman Hayride, a pioneering television variety program that ran from 1949 to 1959. His program often captured more than 75% of Southern California Saturday night viewing audience. With such a large, large following, it was easy for him to attract top stars, including Frankie Lane and Frank Sinatra. But as his popularity soared, his bouts with pills, booze, and spousal abuse and fights reached new lows. On a trip to Catalina Island at a dinner with friends, he slapped LMA hard enough to draw blood. He grabbed her by the arm and forced her to kneel and apologize. In another incident, the police got involved after LMA jumped from a car to escape his beating. In another incident, the police were called after a nurse in the family's employ used a small log to beat Cooley during an attack on LMA. Melody would later testify that on numerous occasions, her father had slapped her mother around and threatened to kill. In the mid-1950s, Bobby Bennett, a respected band manager whose prior included, included the Glenn Miller Orchestra, went to work exclusively for Cooley. He arranged a national tour that included stops in Cooley's native Oklahoma along Route 66 and culminated with a performance at Carnegie Hall. Benner later took on the job as manager for Cooley's Water Wonderland theme park project. Envisioned as a Disneyland in the desert, Cooley planned to build a theme park, lake, housing development, and golf course near Rogers, Roy Rogers Ranch at Oro Grande along Route 66. The endeavor was eventually launched west of Victorville in the Antelope Valley near Lancaster. He persuaded several celebrities to invest as stockholders and offered stock options instead of fees for appearances on his program. The who's who list of investors included Audie Murphy, Clark Gable, James Garner, Jack Benny, Errol Flynn, and Humphrey Bogart. He built an office in the Water of Wonderland site and put Bennett in charge, but the endeavor was doomed before it ever began. As Cooley charged most of his band and TV show expenses to the Water Wonderland Company, they included the cost of his extravagant lifestyle and drug addiction. Financial ruin was looming for Cooley, but he's still a celebrity. On February 8, 1960, he was honored for his musical accomplishments with a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. 
And over a year later, he would be sitting in prison, the only convicted murderer to have a star on the Walk of Fame. In 1961, Ella May confided to her doctor that she lived in fear of Cooley. With his encouragement, she hired an attorney to represent her in a divorce proceeding. She'd been funneling money to two friends, Bud Davenport and Luther Jackson, planning for the day that she could escape the cycle of abuse. Well, Cooley learned of Ella May's plans and Jackson and Davenport's existence. In drunken rage, he exploded in anger. On March 21, 1961, Kula beat Ella May to the punch and filed for divorce first on grounds of extreme cruelty. He filed for custody of their three children, Melody, Donnell Jr., and John. The next day, he called Anita Aros, the violinist in his band, and proposed marriage. In the weeks after he filed for divorce, according to their daughter's testimony, Cooley escalated his physical and emotional abuse of Ella May. He first forced her to call friends and confess to infidelity, and forced a similar confession to the children. The police were called often by the neighbors. On April 3, 1961, Melody had been given permission to spend the night with a neighbor, a respite for the teenager, as she lived in fear of Cooley after having several beatings. According to Melody's testimony, Ella May phoned at 6 p.m. and asked Melody to come home. The girl was afraid and got Mrs. Mrs. McWhorter, the neighbor, to promise she would come to the house in 20 minutes. When Melody arrived, Cooley was on the phone and she heard him say, don't call the police. He grabbed the girl's arm and her hair and drug her into the master bedroom. Melody was horrified by the blood-spattered bed and walls. Ella May, nude and bloody, was sprawled out on the shower on the bathroom floor. She wasn't moving. Cursing, Cooley dragged her body into the bedroom, got a rifle from the closet, and threatened to shoot mother and daughter. During the trial, the sheriff's deputy, who had been the first on the scene, was shaken as he recounted the horrific discovery and provided damning evidence. The coroner's report also horrified jurors. The inquest was a media frenzy, and that was before Cooley collapsed in the courtroom from a heart attack. When the trial resumed and Melody began her testimony, Cooley suffered a second heart attack. After his recovery, he was found guilty of first-degree murder and received a life sentence. Cooley became a model prisoner, formed a band, and made fiddles in the prison's woodshop. Incredibly, his Hollywood friends began petitioning newly elected Governor Ronald Reagan for Cooley's parole in 1966. And in August 1969, the State Parole Board unanimously granted it. Shortly before his scheduled February 1970 release, Cooley was granted a furlough to perform in Oakland at a concert benefiting the Alameda County Sheriff's Department on November 23, 1969. The audience gave him a standing ovation. Cooley stepped backstage, glad-handed with friends, told everyone that he was looking forward to returning to work, turned, dropped his fiddle, and died of a massive heart attack. Quite a little dark chapter, to say the very least. Spade Cooley. Another one of those uh, 
grim chapters. Got a few others. We're going to be dedicating our uh, Wake Up With Jim programs Wednesday morning, 6.30 Mount Standard Time for a few weeks to some uh, rather dark and macabre stories from Route 66. And, uh, well, next week we are going to be talking about uh, something that's kind of a troubling situation, if you will. But uh, Foss, Oklahoma, a, a kind of a unique a mystery. This discovery of two cars, both with three bodies. That's next week on uh, Wake Up With Jim. Sunday morning, Coffee With Jim. We'll be doing our travel program. I think you're going to really enjoy this a lot. We are going to be talking about some places where you can get your kicks under Route 66, or at least close to being under Route 66. Uh, I think you're going to really, really find this uh, an in-depth conversation, if you will. These programs, of course, are interactive, and uh, you can call in or type in a message, and we will we'll respond as quickly as we can here on air. And they are archived here on Podbean as well. Hey, I want to give a shout out to our good friends at the Uranus Fudge Company and General Store in uh, near St. Robert, Missouri, along Route 66, and it's their new location in Anderson, Indiana. Not only do they have good fudge, good food, they're guaranteed a laugh and a smile, especially if you've never outgrown juvenile humor. Uh, the location along Route 66 has it all. Escape rooms, circus sideshow museum, miniature golf, all kinds of fun. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Please invite your friends, share the program, uh, check out our archives for previous programs. Before we wrap this up this morning, do any of our uh, studio audience have any questions? Uh, anything I can answer for you about Spade Cooley or Route 66? I hope you enjoyed the program this morning. Uh, you know, Route 66 has quite a celebrity connection, but uh, that's a program for another day. We'll be, we could talk all day about uh, old great things. And we'll be talking about uh, future programs, how Route 66 uh, played a role in Gene Autry and Clark Gable and Charlton Heston. And, and uh, well, even how Sammy Davis Jr. lost his eye an accident on Route 66. That's all coming up in future programs. I'm very glad everybody uh, joined us this morning. A little bit of a dark start to the day. But we will uh, see you again Sunday morning, 7 o'clock a.m. Mountain Standard Time for Coffee with Jim when we go in-depth under Route 66. And then next Wednesday, we'll be talking about... Uh, Mysterious discovery at the bottom of the lake in Foss, Oklahoma. Thanks again, folks.
Invite your friends. Let's make this a coffee party. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Here's a little incentive uh, for your uh, road trip. If, if your Uranus Fudge Company wasn't enough of uh, inspiration for you, National Road Trip Day kicks off here in Kingman, Arizona with festivities on May 27th. Take care, my friends. Until we meet again, adios and vaya con Dios. <laughs>